All right. We are going to have our beloved Jessica. She's going to minister to us today. And just a heads up, if you want to just like load her Facebook page, it's her birthday tomorrow. I just had to double check the date. <laughs> yes, we are. We're just going to um, pray for her. Yeah. Jesus, we just bless every part of Jess. We just thank you for the absolute gift she is to those that get to be under her leadership, those that get to call her friend, those that just even get to know her. Father, we just thank you for the word that you have that is just unique to Jess. And we just welcome every part of it, Father. Lord, just even let it go into our hearts for deep consideration. Jesus, just even open up the eyes of our imagination. That's one thing Jess walks in really well, is the eyes of her imagination are very open. So, Father, we just thank you for that grace that she carries to flow to the rest of us. We just thank you, Father. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. (laughs) Um, And we just pray a blessing over 2023. That will be the year of the Lord's favour and power. I'd like to start off by reading to you from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and we know that this is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. So all things were made through the Word. All things were made through Jesus. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So everything was made by him, nothing was made without him. So I decided to look up the word, word, and many of you will know that that word is logos, it's a Greek word. It's used 69 times in the Old Testament, it's used in different ways, but basically it means something said, or a topic, or a communication. And when I read that it meant communication, it did something in my heart. And that's where I want to go today. So I'm going to reread this passage. In the beginning was the communication. And the communication was with God. And the communication was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. He is the communicator. Without him, nothing was made that was made. So all things carry the communication of God. That's amazing. (laughs) We live in a beautiful world. I can feel his anointing, so I'm... I can feel his anointing on this. I really love the Lord, and I love this topic, and I love what he reveals to my heart 
through his communication in our world. And that's where we're going today. I've got one. I quite like tears on my face. I like the feeling of it. I just don't like when the snot starts. That's when I... That's when I start to use a tissue. But if I've got tears down my face and dripping off my chin, it doesn't bother me. It's quite nice. <laughs> okay, so what did God make? Well, Genesis chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that means pretty much everything. He created everything and he saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Everything God made was very good. Now, we came along and we did some damage, okay? So after Adam and Eve sinned, there was an impact on creation as well. That is, when God made us, he created us with authority. And when we sinned and gave that up, our authority caused damage on this world. So in chapter uh, 3, verse 17, it says, And to Adam God said, Because of your sin, cursed is the ground because of you, In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. So when God created everything, it was very good. We have damaged damaged it, so it's no longer incredibly perfect. But is there enough in it of the communication of God? Is there enough left? of the communication of God that we can see and pick up on and have fill our hearts and that it will teach us about God because of what it's communicating. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that they, that is everybody on earth, they will know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, People have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. God believes that there is enough goodness in creation that it is communicating to us all the time about who he is even though we have caused damage. There is enough in creation where it's still communicating to the point where we have no excuse because it is that blatant and that obvious. And that is pretty special and kind of the Lord to keep that as something that we experience on a daily basis. I can feel the snot, Lynette. (laughs) Stay there, I've got a tissue. It is the kindness of the Lord to keep such a strong witness of his communication around us, even through what we've done. I think the Lord is very kind, um, and this is part of what we'll explore today as well. Jesus also saw creation as a communication of God's character. In Matthew chapter 6, he said, Consider the birds... So he's pointing at creation. Consider the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides for them each with food. 
aren't you more valuable to your father than they are? So he's saying, look at nature. You can see that the birds are not planting, reaping, storing, but there's enough food for them. How much more does God, if he cares about that, he must care about you more. So he's saying, look at creation. It's communicating care. Therefore, you know that God cares. And if he cares, you can take that as a communication directly to you where God's saying, I care about you. It's, it's beautiful. It's very strong. We have the word of God. We have the Bible, which is our primary communication about who God is. But all around us, there is this second physical communication happening all the time all over the world. And it is the natural creation speaking. What is the natural world? Well, when God created the world, he is the creator. He is not part of creation. So the natural world is not God. Some people believe it is. I'm telling you it's not. The natural world is not God. God is not nature. Um, God is not mother nature. God created nature as an expression of his character. And he created it for us as a place to dwell in. We are not to worship nature. It is not a visible form of God, like Jesus is a visible form of God. Nature is not that. It is a created form of pleasure, the Lord's pleasure and his kindness on this planet. Um, I don't have a verse for this, but in Romans 1 verse 25, Paul says that people traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshipped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. So we are not to worship creation, but it is still carrying a message. It is communicating to us. God created everything. Uh, the non-living earth, plant life, animal life, um, they are a communication by him to us. They are not him in person. The only part of creation that is made in God's image is us. We are created in God's image. We are not to be worshipped. We are not God. But we are created in his image. Um, in Genesis 1.26, God says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over all the earth. So we are created in God's image. And the extra part of that is he breathed his spirit into us that makes us different. And he asked us or gave to us that we have dominion to govern and rule over the world, not to damage the world, but to love the world and govern and rule it from a place of love and wisdom. Taking that into consideration, I believe that we are not part of the animal kingdom. I'm not a mammal. I might have the physical attributes of a mammal when you look at biology. I'm not a mammal. I'm not an animal. I'm created in the image of God. And I think that calling ourselves mammals or animals is part of what the devil would absolutely love because then we don't get that we are sons and daughters of an eternal father. It does not carry the dignity of God in it. We are not mammals. We are not animals. We are humanity. And humanity has dignity and it is created on purpose 
as a different form of creation in the image of God. We have the breath of God within us making us spirit. And we are ordained to govern and reign like God. This is really cool. So what is God communicating? Most of us have switched off the ability to see and hear or the thought even to see and hear what is communicating to us in nature, especially if we have that Western mind. We've switched off. Um, I grew up in Botswana, which is a beautiful nation in Africa, and I was there for all of my childhood, and I never learned to speak Setswana. I learned some phrases, but I never learned the language of Botswana. I never learned to speak Setswana, and I, I wish I did. I wish I could speak the language fluently, but I didn't. So growing up, if I was walking around town, if I was walking the streets, I was so used to hearing Setswana all around me because most people, that was their first language, that's what they spoke. That's what I would hear to my ears because I never took the time to learn what the words meant. I loved the sound of Setswana. I still prefer to be in environments where there's another language around me that I don't understand because it's how I feel most at home. I sometimes put the Chinese radio station on just to hear another language that I don't understand because it's my normal. So I'm used to hearing language around me. Oh, I grew up that way, used to hearing language around me. I had no idea what it was. And that's how all of us live in nature. There's a language going on around us. Many of us are just... We don't understand a thing that God is communicating to us through language. But you can learn to. You can learn to learn what God is saying. It's a language of communication that is just gushing. Gushing with, with his goodness and gushing with his grace. So... What is God saying? Here's a picture of some flowers. First of all, so I like to ask, I'm, I'm putting these four questions out there. I don't walk around asking myself these four questions like a tick chart. But if I am to think, what is going on in my heart? These are probably the questions that it comes down to. The first, first is easy. Like, what, what am I seeing? What do I notice? Well, I see a field full of daisies, a field full of flowers. Okay? Number two, why did he make that? Why did he, why did he make that? Beauty. Do, do you see beauty? Okay. Is that necessary? That's my third question. Did he have to make it like that? Well, we know that flowers attract insects. There's pollination that happens. We know that that helps things cycle. There's more plants that are birthed through that pollination. So we know that it has a role to attract insects. But I've seen flies be attracted to meat. Like, you don't have to have something that looks or smells beautiful to attract an insect. Do you? You don't. You don't, he did not have to make it like that. 
So if he did not have to make it like that, what is it saying about him? He loves beauty. He loves beauty. He values it. He also loves to make life fun and nice for insects. (laughs) I would hate to be attracted just to the stench of rotting meat. Like, how cool that there are so many insects out there. And not just insects, one of the most... One of the creatures that pollinates the most on Earth is actually giraffe. So it's not just insects. (laughs) Um, How cool that they can enjoy what they've been put on the Earth to do. That's kindness. To me, that's kindness. He didn't have to make it like that. So I'm I'm looking at this scene and I'm like, oh, that's just beautiful. And it's unnecessary. And it's kind. You know, there's over 320,000 different kinds of plant. That is excessive. (laughs) How many plants do you need to get your vitamins? I'm sure he could make them all in one. Or let's just say maybe he was extravagant and made 10 so that we don't get too bored for us to eat, right? Why... Are there 320,000 different kinds of plant in the world? A lot of them we don't even eat. Insects eat them, animals eat them. He did not have to do it that way. It's communicating something. It's communicating to us that he's lavish. He's not stingy. He's not like, oh my gosh, I'll just give you what you need and then I'll just... Stop bothering me. He's like, and more, and more, and more. He's, he's got a heart of generosity and a heart of more and abundance. That's what 320,000 plants, species that we know of, probably not counting anything in the ocean, is saying to me. So what do I notice? Why did he make it? Did he have to make it that way? Did he have to make it that way is the part where you'll find the communication. Because the answer is always no. (laughs) And so therefore, what is it saying to me about who he is and about his character? Okay, here's another picture. What do you see? What do you notice? A beach. There's waves coming through. There'll be a tide. There's a sunrise or a sunset happening. There's sand. There's a horizon. There's a lot going on in that that picture. Why did he make that? Each of us could answer that in a different way because something different will stick out to us. And that is the beauty of his communication to us is that it's individual. I will look at that and today in my space right now, What's standing out to me is the boundary between earth and water and that God creates boundaries between things and that's important to him, that there's boundary. That one thing ends and another thing starts. So I can apply that to my life. I'm going through a hard time. Hey, there's a boundary to hard times. They don't just carry on forever. 
They don't just overflow the whole earth like an ocean that just covers every land space. There's a boundary at the end of land and the ocean has no right to go into that land. And that is how God is with us as well. He puts times and seasons and boundaries into our lives. So it talks to me about the authority of God. It talks to me about his grace and his no, this is the end. This is where the boundary finishes. Someone else might have something communicating to them about the way of water or the tides or the fact that there's a big, wide um, horizon and the peace inside of that. Okay, here's another picture. What do you notice in this? He's cute. It's a cat. For those of you that are listening on audio, it is a cat underneath a rug with its crazy eyes looking out. So it's cute. What else do you notice? It's hiding. Mischievous. Playing. I think that cats, puppies are the same. Like, why do they play? Do they have to? Like, is that necessary for what they're giving to the planet, that they play? Like, if you think about, okay, what's the preservation of that species, which is this evolutionist mindset, what is the preservation of that species? It needs to reproduce. Play is like, what, it's got nothing to do with any of that. Play is excess. So, play is a part of God's character then. This kitten, with its little mischievous hunting face sticking out from under the rug wanting to chase something, is talking to me about the delight of God, the joy of play. And, I mean, what a cool God is that. God loves to play and, and, it, and likes chases. Like that tells me something about the character of God. He's not just this like strict, boring, big grey beard Moses looking fellow with a stick that is like really frustrated with how slow we're growing in the Bible and different things. Like, no, God has this humour that just fills him. Like nature is full of God's humour. We think that everything out there is normal. When you look at a leaf, when you look at a stone, when you look at a bird, you think it's normal. Why do you think it's normal? Because you just grew up all your life seeing that thing. Birds are not normal. They are really weird. They are weird. They have these little stick legs. They have bodies that are way too big for their little stick legs. And they don't even have arms. Instead, they've got these, like, Flappy things with these, like, what is feathers made of the similar stuff as your fingernails? That's really weird. And it's, like, all over their body, and then they just fall off halfway through the year and new ones grow. That's weird. And then they don't have lips. They've got this, like, extended hard thing shoved on the front of their face that they've got to try and crack open some nuts or berries or lick nectar through, called a beak. That's really weird. It's actually weird. Like, it's not normal. It is an intentional creation that God came up with in his creative space to bless the planet. And there's so much humor. 
It's so much humor. Look, look at a pelican. You cannot look at a pelican and think that God isn't fun. Its beak is like the whole length of its body and it's got a big flappy piece underneath it. That's a fun God, guys. That's a God that is lighthearted. He enjoys things. Like creation is communicating to us about God's character all the time. Okay, what about this next picture? This is a dragonfly. I love dragonflies. I decided to get a little bit more um, in my mind, so I did some research. Do you know that there are over 900,000, that's nearly a million, species of insect in the world? 900, you don't need that. 5,000 species of dragonfly. Why do you need 5,000 species of dragonfly? Just have two. Just have a European one and an African one if you need to have more than one. It's 5,000 species of dragonfly that do the same job. Why do you need that? Because it's fun and it's interesting. Okay, do you know that there is a dragonfly that they've tracked? How do you track a dragonfly? Well, you make some technology that is like microscopic and you stick it on the wing of a dragonfly with the same glue that ladies use to stick extra eyelashes on. (laughs) And you track that technology. And this dragonfly flew 160 kilometers in one day. Why is a dragonfly doing that? That's amazing. There is a species of dragonfly. This is one of the 5,000 different species of dragonfly. There's a species of dragonfly that in its lifetime, which is only a couple of years as an adult, it flies 17,700 kilometers, nearly 18,000 kilometers, back and forward across the Indian Ocean. The heck? Why? Why is it doing it? Look at that. That's like tiny. And it's flying 18,000 kilometers over ocean, which I was listening to a Navy sailor yesterday who was telling me about the swells that happen in the ocean. That's phenomenal. We don't even witness that. The Lord's talking to us about himself when we're not even there to watch or hear him. That's, there's flowers and there's insects that no one's ever discovered because he's still speaking through them, still saying what he's like through this. Dragonfly heads are mostly made of thousands of eyes. That's weird. Why don't they just have one on each side like us? They can eat 30 to 100 mosquitoes every day. Yes, please, fill my garden with dragonflies. Lots of species. All 5,000 species, please, in my garden, eating all those mosquitoes. Thank you very much. 100 mosquitoes. Wow. I'm glad he made dragonflies. That's great. They catch their food with their feet in midair. They never land on something on the ground. They always catch it in midair with their feet. Wow, that's cool. I'm glad we don't do that. <laughs> but we could, he could have made us catch our food with our feet in midair. He could have designed us that way. He chose not to. That's a communication. Okay. They can change direction mid-flight, hover perfectly better than any modern technology. That's just incredible. That's so complex. Look how tiny that body is in real life. Like, 
They're tiny and they carry all of that molecular technology inside of them. It's phenomenal. I'm glad that they're not like six feet long because they also have serrated teeth and I wouldn't like them to catch humans midair and flight with their feet. So that also tells me something about the Lord because he's made all those horrifically scary looking insects really little <laughs> and not six foot high or something, which would be, imagine spiders being that big. No, thanks. Okay, last one. This is wood. This is wood too. There's wood. We look at wood and we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's right. That's that dead stuff that comes from trees. It's pretty solid. See? Proof. Solid. So I got really scientific with this one as well. Wood is made of billions of elements, oxygen, silicon, carbon, hydrogen, all that kind of thing, bonding together. And this next image shows about 25% of the detail that goes into what one cell of wood is made of. So it's about a quarter of the elements that bond together in a very specific way to make a wood cell. And lots of them need to do it to make a cell of wood. That's actually really complicated. That's just not a little like, oh, whoopsie-daisy, something evolved into a tree. That's really complicated and very, very detailed. Each of those little OH things on the edges, the writing, uh, oxygen, hydrogen, and how it bonds together. So look that up. Do you know that atoms, so an atom of hydrogen, bonding with an atom of oxygen, an atom has this nucleus, got these electrons spinning around it. When they bond, those electrons never bang into each other. Never, never. This next image shows you what the dance of electrons is, looks like. Tricture. You thought I was going to show you a nice dance picture. No, this is a mathematical equation that most scientists don't even know how to do, even though it's written down for them, because it's so complex. And what happens is these electrons move in a specific dance, and when they come in close to another atom with an electron, the dance shifts so that two of them can do a dance around each other and it doesn't impact each other. Then a third one, then a fourth one, then a fifth one. And it just keeps the dance, each new one does a new dance until all of the sequences are used up, not a single electron is banging into the other. It's like choreographed dance. That is amazing. And that choreographed dance... When it gets so full, then no more electrons can do that. And that's what makes it solid. But it's not actually, is it? It's full of movement. There's so much movement happening here that it's full. That tells me a lot about God. First of all, it tells me God is way more complex than me. <laughs> so that's handy when I'm going through a hard situation and I don't know, I'm overwhelmed. Okay, but God is bigger. God has a brain. Well, does God have a brain? God has a mind that is what he knows exactly what's going on when I don't. So I can give everything to the Lord. There's peace in that. That's what that's communicating to me. Do you know what else is communicating? Everything's alive with movement. God made everything to move. Even the immovable, a rock. 
is made of moving, movement. So I can say, hey, I'm going to speak to this and tell it to move when it looks immovable. I can do that because I'm made in the image of God and God has created everything to move. So I can say to cancer, move. And I'm telling those electrons that are in that little dance, they already know how to move. I'm telling them, move, get out, move. I can say to a situation in my life that doesn't seem to be moving, I can say, no, move. You have the DNA inside you to move, move. I can say to generational bondage, move. I can say to desolation on a land and the trauma in a land, move. Because all of it carries the DNA of movement. And it's moving all the time. And I can align with the Lord and I can align with the authority he's given me and then stand in the image of him and bless the land and bless my body and bless the situation and say, no, come into alignment with the Lord, move and speak blessing. The communication of the Lord in nature is an epic, epic language an epic language, it's so strong, it's so full, it's so full of beauty, it's so full of kindness, it's so full of authority, there's a lot of humour, it tells us who the Lord is. So, to conclude, here's your questions for you to take away in your heart. What am I noticing? Why is it made? Did it have to be made that way? Probably not. So then what is God communicating to me about himself? Because he's telling me something about who he is. I want to um, bless you as I leave today. So if maybe you can stand and I'll pray a blessing over us. Lord, we just thank you so much for the communication in nature, your communication in nature. And the beginning was the communication. And you made all things through your communication and you've communicated your character to us through the living world and through the non-living world. And we love you. Lord, I just pray that you would open our ears, our eyes, our minds, our hearts, all our senses, all our desire to hear you and see you in nature and what you're communicating to us about who you are, about the goodness. When you made the world, you said it's very good. Goodness is like a primal part of who you are. We thank you for what you have shared with us all around us, Lord. I just pray a blessing over everyone here, Lord, that you would help them to hear you outside, that you would help them to hear you when they see and look for you in the natural world. I bless them to hear you. I bless them to see you. I bless them to commune with you, Lord God, and through the language that you speak to them, through the beautiful world that you've created for us. Ask that you would bring freedom to people through your encouragement to them in the natural world, that you would break down lies about who you are 
and that you would raise up truth about who you are, Lord, and that you would empower people to stand in their authority and to declare things because of who you are into the spaces around them, Lord God. We bless the land. We bless um, the environment around us, Lord God, and we ask that you would fill this space with your presence and we invite you to communicate with us here. Amen.